We are on the lesson. We're approaching the end of these introductory studies. And the question for tonight is, what if I end up lost? You say, well, I have GPS on my phone. I should be fine. It's not that kind of loss that we're talking about. It's dealing with the fear of mental breakdown. We are in an age when after you reach a certain age, it may be 50, maybe 60, maybe 70, 75, whatever. It's different with different people. <clears throat> but it really begins to bother you if you don't remember someone's name or you don't remember where you left the keys. And we go from, well, I just forgot to, oh my, I have Alzheimer's or I'm developing dementia. I want to say a couple of things, not as a medical doctor, I'm not one, of course, but some level of forgetfulness and some decline in your performance is to be expected. That's just part of aging. There are things that occur in our brain that um, we don't always remember uh, or even process as quickly as we once did. That's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, there are some things I'd like to be able to kind of go ahead and forget uh, if I could. But we are so aware people are living longer and sometimes they're living longer but not living better. And we are beginning to wonder what happens if I get lost in the fog and I don't know how to get back. Well, that's what we want to talk about. And Lord, we ask that you would smile upon us with your favor and grace and help us uh, to remember that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And we thank you that you help us. And we pray that you'd help us to be able to put some anxiety to rest in this study and sleep a little better tonight than we did maybe last night. We ask it in Jesus' name. My mother's doctor told her one time, he said, there's a difference between changes that occur in your brain as you get older and you just tend to forget things. He said, I'm not worried about you if you forget someone's name, as long as you know who they are. Well, this is my neighbor, this is my friend at church. But he said, it concerns me when you begin to live in a different reality. And he said, until you find yourself in a different reality, he was speaking to the family, he says, don't let that be an over concerning thing. He said it could be as much damage to worry about what we're calling the what ifs as it is to get there. Now that didn't help my mom much and uh, it doesn't help us if we're struggling with those kinds of things. But I'm telling you at some point, one of the first things you're going to have to do is come to grips with fear and reality and don't think that every time you forget something, you're developing dementia. Um, don't think that every time you've got a headache, you've got a brain tumor. Okay, we have to bring those thoughts under control. I'm not talking about a positive confession or just ignoring something. 
But I'm saying we can't let it take us someplace where we ought not be going. I have developed something over the past few years that's very helpful to me, and it is to what I call a scripture arsenal. I am learning to write down some of the scriptures that have meant the most to me in difficult times. And I'm, I've got a file of, of scriptures that I find bring comfort to me when I fight battles of all sorts of, uh, of, of types. Um, for instance, I put one of my favorite verses down on Isaiah 41, 10 to 14. I love this. And I can't tell you how many battles the Lord has given me these verses over to bring me through them. And I would just go back into one of my journals uh, that I keep these in and say, this is my arsenal. This is what I need. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. They that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them. He says, you'll look for your adversaries and won't be able to find them. Even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I just picked this one at random to say, begin to put together an arsenal that you can rely on as life throws curves at you. Now, this particular fear, this idea of um, what if I end up lost mentally, um, this fear seems to manifest itself in three ways. Uh, it's got branches that grow out from the root. Number one is the fear of hopelessness. Just what, what if... What if I get to the point where this happens or that happens and you can cave into hopelessness in Dante's inscription, uh, the inferno over the entrance to hell, it says, abandon all hope ye who enter here. Now that was written about hell, but the enemy wants us to abandon all hope on this side of eternity. Abandon all hope ye who enter here. That would be the mantra for some Christians that I know because they fear the what ifs. So we have to be sure that hopelessness does not get a stronghold in our life. Number two, the fear of depression. The National Institute of Mental Health says the lifetime risk of developing depression is about 17%. We're talking about um, clinical um, uh, serious depression is about 17%. You look at that from one perspective, it's pretty low. You look at it from another perspective, it's almost one in five. The point is that I draw from this is we don't have to expect depression, nor do we have to cave into it. Now, I tell you this, you will be surprised how many great men and women of God have struggled with depression. 
And I think we ought not to let stigma attach itself to those that have had battles with depression. The other fear is one that's just recently, I'm saying in the last 20 uh, or 25 years, has it gained prominence? And that is the fear of dementia, the fear of dementia. And it seems to be skyrocketing as longevity increases. Now, what are some of the causes of emotional or mental issues? Um, I need to say, first of all, that none of us are exempt. Um, many of us grew up in a setting where if you just believe God, you wouldn't have these problems. I, I had a pastor that used to say, if you'd just pray in tongues, you wouldn't have these problems. Now, I, the longer I've lived, the more I think he was probably onto something. But <laughs> we are not exempt from these kinds of problems. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, I have to speak today to myself. And whilst I shall be endeavoring to encourage those who are distressed and downhearted, this is in one of his sermons, I shall be preaching to myself also, for I need something which shall cheer my heart. Why I cannot tell, wherefore I do not know, but I have a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. I feel as I had rather die than live. All that God hath done by me seems to be forgotten and my spirit flags, and my courage breaks down. This wasn't just a bad Sunday for Spurgeon. He fought this off and on uh, for most of his adult life. He had bouts of depression that have been, sometimes they're sensationalized and exaggerated, but it was a very real thing. And at their peak, his wife had recorded to friend, reported to friends that he would be in the room between Sundays by himself, calling out to God, reading scripture, asking God to deliver him from the darkness that had enveloped his soul. And uh, Martin Luther is another one. He says, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled in all my members. Christ was wholly lost. I was shaken by desperation and blasphemy of God. John Knox, the founder of Presbyterianism, said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and put an end to this miserable life. You know you're in trouble when your pastor's number one thing on his prayer list is, Lord, receive my spirit and let me die. And John Knox wrestled with that. John Bunyan, sometimes I am assaulted with great discouragement fearing that I should not be able to speak a word at all of edification, at which times I should have a strange faintness and strengthlessness seize upon my body that my legs have scarce been able to carry. You are not alone if you're struggling with depression. Now let me say this again for clarification. There's a difference between clinical depression that is an ongoing plague and a bad you know, a bad month or a bad year or a bad week or a bad day. Um, when I lived in Illinois, I used to go to Chicago Cubs games as often as I could. And they had a great t-shirt. I just loved it. It said, anybody can have, or, or yeah, anybody can have a bad century. You know, they, they didn't win the pennant for a hundred years, didn't go to the World Series for a hundred years. Anybody can have a bad century. That was, a, that was one of my favorite t-shirts. Um, and guys, that can happen. There are a lot of things that can cause us to be depressed over something. 
Um, sometimes it's um, chemical. Sometimes it's situational. If you lose a spouse, you're going to be fighting depression. If your child is in rebellion, you're going to be fighting depression. But there are several uh, causes that we need to look at. Uh, number one, there are personality issues. Some people are just so negative, it's hard for them. Uh, you know, they're like Eeyore in, um, in the Winnie the Pooh saga, just constantly down everything's wrong, nothing's going to, to work out. Sometimes uh, there is like that, that uh, story uh, President Reagan used to tell about twin boys. One was hyper-optimistic, one was hyper-pessimistic. And the psychiatrist said, I think I can cure both of these boys through behavioral therapy. So he took the little boy that... Uh, was so negative, and he said, everything in this room is for you. And the little boy opens it up, and there's every toy you could imagine, everything he'd ever asked for, and he just broke into tears. And the psychiatrist said, why are you crying? These are for you. He said, they'll probably break. <laughs> and so he took the eternal optimist and put him in a room that was full of nothing but horse manure from floor to ceiling just horse manure from floor to ceiling. And he said, this is your gift. And he got so excited, he said, hot dog. And he dug in, started digging through the manure. And he said, how can you be so happy with a room full of manure? He said, this much horse manure? There's a pony in here somewhere. Well, sometimes we have personality issues and we just have a tendency. Now, loved ones, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make you evil. It means that some of us just have a personality that we tend to gravitate toward negativity. And we have to be careful. We have to be sure that we don't lean into that because it can consume you if you're not careful. Um, sometimes there are situational, <coughs> excuse me, there are situational issues. Um, we, 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 we call it uh, circumstantial depression. And there are things, you know, if you can't pay your bills, you're going to be struggling with depression from time to time. If you have a health crisis, if you have a marital crisis, if you have a crisis at work, that doesn't mean you're weak or evil or you're broken if you're struggling to work through that. I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if you've ever been in a job that you couldn't stand, and I've been there. I've been there. No, not here, but I have been at a job I couldn't stand. Um, I, I want to tell you, even though you have 50 reasons to rejoice, when you're at a place you don't want to be, that can drag you down and it can really be a difficult thing for you. Sometimes we just lack a life rhythm. And this is different for everybody because it is based on your personality. It's based on your physical attributes and and uh, the, your general health. But we have to find a, a rhythm of life where we find the balance between work and rest and worship and play. And you could add a couple of things to that if you wanted to. Um, I think that most of our life fits into one of those four uh, categories. But uh, sometimes we are just struggling. We're just struggling with getting the balance. I remember counseling someone one time 
And this is what she said to me. She said, Pastor, I think I'd be okay if life wasn't just so, so daily. In other words, she just never, never had a break. Sometimes um, we have responsibility overload, um, personality issues, situational issues, lack of rhythm. Sometimes we just have responsibility overload. Um, I know that there are people, they love the Lord with all their heart. And this is not just a problem with the saved, it's with our unbelievers as well. But the more responsible you are, somebody described people like this to me this way. They said, I'm a hoop jumper. I jump through the hoops. You know, whatever's expected of me, I'm going to jump through the hoops. And that can be very good. It can show that you're a very responsible person. But if it begins to dominate your life, it can crush you. Uh, Moses said, I cannot carry all these people by myself. Now, I want to tell you, this is a man who spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And nobody that we know of, except the Lord Jesus, of course, had the kind of relationship to God that Moses had as far as personal relationship. But Moses says, I just can't do this anymore. I can't carry these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. Uh, listen to this great man of God pray. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes. That, doesn't that sound like a strange prayer? If I have found favor in your eyes, please kill me. And do not let me face my own ruin. Elijah, we've talked about him a lot. And Elijah is a favorite of us Pentecostals because we know what it's like to, to walk in power, but then to still walk in such incredible desperation. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Um, sometimes it's responsibility overload. Sometimes it's just physical illness. I remember praying with somebody uh, not too long ago, and they meant it. They weren't in sin or rebellion. They, they meant it. They said, I'm hurting so bad, I just want to die now. And you can be in that kind of pain. You can be in that kind of despair. Um, sometimes there are spiritual issues and um, when I say there are spiritual issues, a lot of times the Lord is bringing us to a place of repentance and it feels like we're going to, you know, lose everything. Sometimes it can be the last thing on your list, satanic attacks. Now, all of these things can cause anxiety and depression to the degree, to the degree. Now, this is what we're talking about, to the degree that you say, I've had enough. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to cash in all the chips. How do I get out of this valley, Pastor? How do I stop fearing? Well, the first thing, and I haven't done a, enough talking about it tonight, you've got to decide if your fear of being lost is legitimate or if it is imagined. Is it, is it something I'm really struggling with or is it just something I'm afraid of? Um, and, and I don't know anybody that can give you a checklist of one, two, three, four. I mean, you can go online and 
take a test? Do you have dementia? And there's so many things on there that happen sometime. Everybody's got dementia and everybody's got early stages of Alzheimer's. Stay away from those things. Stay away from those things. In my opinion, just stay away from them because they talk about something that might be true 4% of the time, but it's a possibility. And then you realize that according to this, you should have been institutionalized three years ago. And you're just wondering, why am I having trouble keeping up with my keys? Okay. If you are legitimately having problems and you need a professional to help you determine that and as, or, or someone that family member that loves you very much, um, here's, here's number one, be honest about your condition. If you have something that indicates you might be beginning to slip or that there might be something going on in your mind, uh, be honest about your condition. I encourage you, number one, to seek medical help. Because we are not, we believe in healing power, we believe in the miraculous power of Jesus, but we are not opposed to medicine. We're not opposed to medical help and what it can bring to us. So seek medical help, get a doctor that you trust. Uh, number two, seek godly counsel. I tell you, I walk by the seniors meeting that takes place most Thursdays. I, I don't attend many of them because of my schedule. I, it's a very difficult day for me to, 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 to get into those meetings. But I'll, I'll, I pray for them every time I walk by. And as I look in that door, I think there is such incredible wisdom in that room. There is such incredible wisdom gathered around those tables. And I guarantee you, if you're struggling with this, there's somebody within arm's reach of you that will give godly counsel and help you walk through it. Um, and you need to find, I think, in addition to godly counsel, you need to find a trustworthy friend that will walk with you through this. Um, so be honest about your condition. Get some good advice, godly counsel, a good friend, a good physician. And the next thing is don't cave in to your condition. Don't cave into it. Um, uh, one of my professors that I had in seminary, last time I saw him and talked to him, he was, I believe, 92 years old. And he was, he, he had slowed down. He wasn't jumping too many fences, but he was um, still sharp. He still knew um, uh, everything that you expected him to know. And I said, uh, Stanley Horton, I said, Dr. Horton, I said, you are amazing. I said, uh, I didn't tell him this, but 40 years earlier, we thought he was as old as dirt then, you know. He wasn't, but I said, how do you do it? How do you stay so sharp? He said, well, the Lord has helped me. And, and I said, I know that, but is there anything that you do? And he said, crosswords, crosswords, crosswords keep me thinking. Crosswords keep me processing. Crosswords don't let me get lazy. So he said, and I thought, here's a man that says the key to his success is he reads the Hebrew Bible and does crosswords. So, okay, um, that's good. He, he was saying, I'm not going to cave in to this condition. And when he died, he died from natural causes, but he was a strong man because he was not going to cave in to what age wanted to do to him. Um, number three, 
I don't mean to imply by this that there's sin in your life. That's not what I'm talking about or that you're backslidden. When I say rededicate your life to God, I don't mean come in out of the cold, come out of your sinful state. I'm saying no matter how close you are to God, just rededicate. Just say, Lord, I want to remind you, I'm here, I'm yours. For whatever purposes you have, I rededicate my life to you. Now, um, I suspect when you do your in-depth group study, you're going to want to spend more than 25 minutes on this. But um, what do I do, Pastor, when the diagnosis is terminal? What do I do when the doctor says you do have the beginnings of dementia or even Alzheimer's? What do I do? Well, there are some things that I have gleaned from people that have walked through this dark place. Um, the first thing is do everything I just said. You know, the, the friendship, the godly counsel, uh, you know, don't cave in and so forth. Um, but the second thing I would advise you to do is draw your family into the problem. Um, I will tell you this. You say, well, I don't want to bring my family into it. I don't want to be a problem to them. I don't want to be a bother to them. You're not being a bother to your family by saying, let's work through this. It's a burden to your family when they don't know what's going on and you won't talk to them. And then they're trying to help, but they're, it's like they're driving with a blindfold on. So draw your family into the problem. This is what I'm struggling with. Uh, my dad uh, never had the kind of mental problems from dementia or what have you, but my mom did. And their aging process, our care for them was different. Uh, and there were days when my dad would just look at me and say, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'll, I'll meet you in two hours. And then there were days when my dad said, I, I don't think you need to leave me today. He, he, was, he brought us in, and that took pressure off of us, didn't put pressure on us. Draw your close friends in as well. You will be surprised who might be walking through the same kind of journey you are, and they would welcome a companion to walk through those difficult days. Um, <clears throat> my mom had a friend that they were about the same place. One day my mom was stronger, one day the friend was stronger. And my mom had not driven a car, nor had her friend in probably six or eight years. And I went to visit one day. Uh, by this time, my mom was in a, a, a care facility. And she said, well, well, we'll go with you. And I said, you gonna go with me? She said, yeah, let me get the car keys. And my mom reached in her purse and pulled out a set of car keys to a car that hadn't existed in a long, long time. And she asked, I can't remember where I parked the car. And her friend said, well, I parked the car. I drove last time. And then she said, where'd you park? She said, I can't remember. And we just kind of laughed and chuckled. The fact is they had not driven in years, probably 15 years between them. They had not driven. But those days of clarity, when even one of them was clear, it was so beautiful to see the way they would take each other by the hand and understand, okay, we're, we're going to get through this together. One of the most precious things I've ever seen in my life. Um, look to God for healing. 
We don't want to forget, we, we're not people that say God has to heal and God heals every time under, you know, whatever we demand. But we don't ever want to forget that he does heal. He does heal. And um, keep looking to God for healing. Set appropriate parameters. Understand that there's some new rules that are going to have to be brought to bear. Uh, to bear. Do what you can do well. Do what you can do well. My mom was the greatest cook, as far as I'm concerned, that ever lived. Just a wonderful cook. And there was a, she always wanted to help Ramona, but there was a day she walked into the kitchen at our house and uh, she was going to fry cornbread. I'll never forget this. Um, she was going to fry cornbread and she had not turned the stove on. And when she put the cornbread in the pan of grease to fry it and nothing happened, something clicked in her mind. Now you say, well, she should have just said, oh, I forgot to turn it on. That we saw her move from this to this and she never tried to cook again. She would never try to cook again because something snapped. And later in a moment of lucidity, she said, I want to do what I can do well. And when I can't do it well, I'll let somebody else do it. I know that sounds very morbid, but you're surrounded by people that love you. Do what you can do well, but don't worry about everything else. Trust those that are closest to you. And most of all, trust God. Now, there's uh, a little piece, uh, kind of prose by Robertson McQuilkin that was in the last lesson as well, I think, was the last lesson. Let me get home before dark. I think everybody that is at least what we call old age is within sight. I think you need to read this every now and then. And it's the cry of a man that um, quit his ministry responsibility to care for his wife who had severe Alzheimer's. People criticized him for doing it. They said, you, you, you made a promise to God. And he said, I did. And I also made a promise to my wife that I would care for her and love her in sickness and in health. And he said, I brought this before God. He said, don't try putting guilt on me. God says my responsibility is for my wife. And he lived that out until his wife went to heaven. And then he lived his life with this prayer that he made very public. Lord, let me get home before dark. That's a good place for us. Now, I want to end this with positivity. I know that if we're not careful, when you begin to study this in detail, you can, you can go down some deep holes and feel very, very depressed. Um, but I want to tell you, this is a difficult subject. And, and it is a difficult thing. We are living to an older age. Um, when I grew up, if someone was in their 60s, that was old. I don't think that's old at all anymore. But I mean, you go, go look at, at grave markers. It was not uncommon to pass in your 60s. Um, and we're living longer, but we have to also understand there's a dynamic that we have to adjust to. There's a dynamic that we have to adjust to. 
um, somebody told someone that I love very much, they said, I'm just believing God that I can live to 100. And my loved one said, why in the world would you want to do that? Well, I understand. I understand people that want to live to 100, and I understand people that say, why do you want to do that? The thing about it is that God is able to strengthen us and encourage us. And God is able to give us a sound mind, and we have to commit our welfare to Him. And He'll help us. He'll help us. Father, I know that this fear of being lost is very real, and it's, it's intimidating. It's a daunting subject to talk about. But Father, you are able. Now, I, I know what I'm praying. I'm praying you'll get me home before dark. I, I mean that with all my heart. I'm, I've thought it through. I, I want to get home before dark. But Lord, at the end of the day, all that we are and all that we may face is in your hands. And we simply want to say we trust you. We trust you. Help us to live well and help us to love well and help those around us to live and love well as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.